Yeah, I got a call and uh, someone said, hey, yeah, would you like to come and talk to, uh, talk to us about evangelism? Um, don't really have a title for the message, but I was thinking on the way over here, and um, hopefully it comes across as love and evangelism. Um, but, the, but the first thing is, is <coughs> isn't, I don't know, when I think about evangelism, it's really weird, isn't it? Like, I was in California not long ago, and every time I'm in California, we'll go down and have a bite to eat in Carlsbad, and there's this guy that stands on the corner, two cardboard, right? Cardboard on front, a couple strings, cardboard on the back, and he's just got a bunch of verses on the front of that thing that says, uh, I mean, they're all f- basically free from the wrath of God. Like, you know, and he's not doing the whole Westboro Baptist thing along with it. He's just calm and chill and polite. And it's amazing that when I see this guy, I'll be driving back to my hotel just trying to like figure out why that is like wrong. Do you know what I mean? Because you're just like, what? Like, is that right or is that wrong? Like, because I wouldn't do it that way, you know? And it just seems a little odd. You're out there, you know, on the corner, cardboard, boom. You guys are all in big trouble if you don't repent. Um, but you know what? It's, it's interesting, and I've just come to realize over and over again that when I do that, a lot of times it reminds me how much I think I can have an impact on my own. Right, because somebody could read the things that are on those signs, right, and go back home and go, "What's that all about?" and open up their Bible, right, and dig further, right, and be led to saving faith. I remember one time when I was at a Burger King with a buddy of mine, six five, two forty, was in the uh, uh, Detroit Tigers baseball organization, and best friend of mine. I give him the gospel, which, by the way, I was six months saved. I don't even know what I said. I said some heretical things for sure, right? Gave him the most fragmented gospel message ever. And he wipes the, white, the whopper, right, from his face. And he goes, I'm in. <laughs> and I, my buddy Tim was standing next to me. He was raw as all get out to, new believer. And I'm just sitting there going, What? You, okay, you can't do that. You, we, first of all, we're at, we can't be at Burger King. You can't just wipe your face with a mat napkin and tell me you're in for all of eternity. Like, it's not happening. Um, but the fact of the matter is, is that guy's been walking for 13 years. And um, again, it's just interesting. And, and when we look in Scripture, we can justify... Short term, right? Going up to, to a neighbor and sharing the gospel, tough stuff, right? We can justify long-term, um, long-term relationships, right? Which is the boat that we usually find ourselves in. Um, and I think, and I'll get to it later, but I think um, that's going to be more important as time goes on uh, for a lot of reasons of things happening in our culture. Uh, and then, of course, we can justify, we can justify being harsh, Right? Right? Who was Jesus harsh to? He was, he was a little, he came down pretty heavy on when he witnessed to people who were keeping people, right? Keeping people from true saving faith. Um, but the point is, it's really difficult to stand up here and say, well, here's what I would do. And do I have my methods? Yes. Do I have some things that I intentionally do in a conversation to help it along? 
yes, um, but we're all different and we all have different strengths. So I think the most important thing is, is really thinking about why does it even matter in the first place? Why, is, why does it even matter? You know, and, and I've come to realize that in my own life, that when I don't share the gospel, usually it's just a simple aspect and fact that I've forgotten about why. Why do we share? Why, why, do, we, why do we witness? We witness because of the gospel, right? God came down here with us. What? With messy us, you know? And he paid the price for our sins. I mean, it's that simple, but that is, that is ultimately the why, and that should be big enough. I, I love the analogy that a preacher gave once. He was talking about a dam that was a million miles wide and a million miles tall. Like, think about that. Like, the Spanish peaks would look like a little crumb, right? This thing's filled to the brim with, with water, and the dam breaks. All the water's rushing right at you. You know, and right before it mows you over, the ground opens up and sucks up every drop of that water. Every drop. It's dry as a bone. And that water was iniquity, right? Sin. And that's what Jesus did, man. Something really bad coming our way that we deserve. And he stepped in front and he said, not so fast. And he used that. And he used the cross as a means to then turn to us and say, come. Lay it down and come. And, and the thing is, is when that's big, right? When, the God, when you're just, I don't want to call it a clear mind because it's a work of the Spirit, but let's just say on our best day, if, if there is such a thing, <laughs> on our best day, when that is clear in our minds and the gospel is clear, what should we see? I'll tell you what I see. When I look at the world, I can't help but see myself. Right? And that really makes the why big. And what do I mean by that? And that is, do you remember when you were lost? Right? It, I mean, it shakes me up now. 23, just blind, clueless. And, and, and as Christians, a lot of times, I mean, we were really focused on, on people's responsibility and the lost's responsibility. And yes, I totally get it, and it's true. But if you remember what it's like to be lost, not in a Christian home, someone shares some Bible to you, it means about as much as the weather. The Bible says you're dead, you're blind. You're literally <laughs> just a, a walking body in a lot of ways, right? You don't have life. And I think when the gospel is at the forefront and where it should be in our hearts and our minds, we look at a lost world and we go, whoa, man, right? We see ourselves and then the beauty of that is I just want those people to have what I have. I want them to know what I know, right? And obviously we got asked, is what I'm saying even biblical? Do you remember in Luke chapter 10 when um, the lawyer was like, hey, how do I, 
What's it say? How do I get eternal life? And what Jesus point him to? Love the Lord your God, right? With all your heart, soul, strength, mind, right? And then love your neighbor as yourself. What a response that is. Like, you guys ever chewed on the fact of like loving your neighbor as yourself and how dramatic that is? I actually printed this out, out this morning. Here's what a pastor said. He said, now those two verses, speaking of basically loving God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, um, and loving your neighbor. Now those two verses, those are two stupendous things we need to ponder before we dive into the overwhelming commandment to love our neighbor as we love ourselves. I say it is overwhelming because it seems to demand that I tear the skin off my body and wrap it around another person so that I feel I am that, I am that other person and all the longings that I have for my own safety, health, and success, and happiness, I now feel for that other person as though he or she were me. So it's not the golden rule, right? And of course, Jesus is setting this guy up, right? You've probably read through these passages. He's, he's setting this guy up to show him his heart. But it's certainly not treat others how you want to be treated. That's very different. Take everything about you, all your passions, all your pain, all your joy, and think about how much those things are a part of you. And then you look across the street to your neighbor, and that's what you see. I was thinking about that, and I'm like, have I ever done that? I was thinking about, like, am I even anywhere near? And the only thing I could think of was my kids, right? Think about how I look at my kids versus my neighbor. I look at my kids probably somewhat close to that. But God's no respecter of a person. So if I look at my kid that way, why can't I look at, you know, why can't I look at the guy at the, behind the counter at the coffee shop that way? Right? So really difficult stuff. And then ultimately, here's the deal. To get back to Jesus, what I just said is impossible apart from a miracle. It's impossible. I'm just going to, man, I'm going to love that neighbor. Like, lost and dying world cannot do it. And this, this pastor followed up by saying, it is an absolutely staggering commandment. If this is what it means in something unbelievably powerful and earth-shaking and reconstructing and overturning and upending will have to happen in our souls, something supernatural, Jesus. Something well beyond what self-preserving, self-enhancing, self-exalting, self-esteeming, self-advancing human beings like, I scribbled out the pastor's name and I just wrote us, you know, we can do on our own. So just to further the point, um, I think when we're in that frame of mind, and thankfully when God saves us, and it's not every second or every minute or every day for me, and it is a shame, but God gives us a taste, just a taste at these moments when we're looking at him. Those are the moments, right? He gives us a taste of what it's like to look across 
at other people in a lost and dying world and go, man, the only difference between that guy or that gal and me is that I'm redeemed. It's not education. It's not skin color. You know, it's not, it's not anything. It's just, we're just redeemed. That's it. And then, of course, when we think like this, won't we do anything? Some of you are here believers. You've had that moment where you would do anything. And I don't mean just say it. You'll mow a lawn. You'll shovel a driveway. You'll spend your savings to get on a plane just to go talk to somebody for a weekend and be with them. It all sounds really good, doesn't it? It all sounds really good. Now, here's the kicker with evangelism. Um, it sounds so great, and it's so true. And we love, as believers, it's like when we see, love the Lord your God with all your soul, like when we hear those things as believers, because we've been born again, it's just like, that's home. <laughs> doesn't it feel that way as a believer? Love your neighbor, it's like, this is, this is awesome. Yet, do we do this a lot? Shake your head if it's a no. I just, might as well Let's get, make sure everybody's awake. Um, yeah, it just doesn't seem to really come. It's just not like a daily thing. Um, and guys, when I say daily thing, I don't mean street corner stuff. I just mean making friends with lost people, rubbing shoulders with the world. Um, and again, um, funny that Lon of Lonnie's timing, too, just because of the things that God's laid on my heart. And what I want to do is, I can't speak. There's no way I can speak for every individual in here of why. Like, if you're saying to yourself, I, yeah, yeah, I, I know what you mean, man, and I'm kind of like in my own little bubble, and I, I kind of stay away from that, because last time I did that, it was like, went really bad, you know? Um, but I don't know the hearts of each individual in here, so, so here's what I'm going to do. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share a brief testimony of my life, and, and, and it's, a, it's just a big roadblock, just one of those times in your life where you're just, we've all had them, where you just, you wake up one day and you're like, what happened? You know, like, where have I been for like five years? You know, and of course, everything I'm about to share with you, I'm full on responsible for. But here's a roadblock. Um that I experienced and um, just want it to be a blessing to you. Uh, and before I even go down this road, a little, I'm used to speaking in the corporate world and we do like disclosures, you know, because everyone's worried about getting sued. So you'll be in the middle of speaking and you're like, uh, <clears throat> I have to stop now. And it's weird for guys like me because I move around and all this stuff and gotta read like this disclosure form. <laughs> but uh, here's my disclosure. As I go down this road, if you're hearing me say that education and knowledge is bad, you're missing the point, okay? We're at a Bible college. That would be weird, <laughs> right? There's, 
probably more degrees in this room I could shake a stick at. So if you start hearing that, hold on to your seat. That's not the intention. Um, but here's the thing. When I first came to know Christ, man, oh, man, the first three to four years were so sweet. I got saved in Toledo, Ohio. Um, and really, it was so sweet because the guys that led me to the Lord, I miss mean, Toledo. Toledo, if you've never been there, you don't know much about it. It's kind of like a mini Detroit, right? And, uh, um, and the guys that led me to the Lord were just, they were awesome, right? And, and, and they went to church on Sunday and, and, and had Bible studies all the time, but for the most part, probably didn't have the resources that, that you guys have here. I mean, these are some guys that got saved in their 30s sort of on their own, doing their thing. And um, seriously, like the greatest time in my life. And I always look back on that and I'm like, well, why was that? And, and you know, you're, you, we're witnessing to people all the time. And it's not just, again, it's not just a street thing. We, whether we were going bowling or whatever we were doing, we were curious about the world, right? We were curious about everyone we came in contact with. So as a result, we just talked to almost everyone we came in, talk, in contact with, you know, about Christ. And um, I would tell people about the first, the uniqueness of the first three to four years um, with my walk with the Lord. And, and a lot of older people would always say, oh, yeah, the new Christian, the young thing, you know. And I would just be like, you know, and I never knew what to do with that, you know. And I know some of us get saved and we go crazy. Somebody ought to throw us in a cage, right? Like, I totally get it, All right? <laughs> you, you know what I mean? It's like, ah, world, you know, coming on your horse, you know, sort of thing. And, and, uh, um, but this wasn't like that. I just think this was rich and this was sweet, you know? And here's the deal. You ready? I look back, still in contact with those two guys who, I mean, they've been married since then. They have kids and they're still doing it. They're still doing it. And I look back and I was like, is this just a young, superficial part of Christianity? Kind of like, you know, meeting the girl for the first time and yada, 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 and all this other stuff. But here's what's funny. I don't think that's the case because I look back and I just see something to where these guys were just reading their Bibles and doing what it said. Right? And that's where God had them. God didn't have them. At a, at a Bible college or something. So that manifested itself differently, right? These guys were pool builders. They built in-ground pools. And then in the wintertime, they would get odd jobs with whoever with the intention of witnessing to that person, maybe laying wood floors, plowing snow, whatever it was. But my time with those guys, because they moved me into their house, like didn't even ask for rent. You know, they were just like, oh, you got to live with us, you know? I didn't know it at the time, but they were basically like, we got to get them out of that house with those other people, you know? But they were like, hey, to live with us. Well, how much rent? Hey, don't worry about it. And I got to watch these guys every night come home from work, beat down, tired from doing construction, and they're reading their Bibles, which had so much duct tape on them that it was like, you know? And, and it was only a logical thing, like, oh, well, Jesus just says this stuff, like, and we need to have compassion for people. And I don't have compassion today. We got to hit our knees, like... And, and let's not eat in tonight. Let's, let's go out. I know I'm scraping together pennies, but there's this guy at Arby's that I kind of said hi to last time, and I want to see what's going on in that guy's life. And that was just the world that they lived in. Um, 
And we had a lot of fun. And God was moving and doing things, especially on the sin aspect. Because it wasn't just, oh, let's go tell people. You know, the prayers of a righteous man, right? God hears those, right? That's what the Bible says. So it wasn't just like, oh, we're going to go out and these guys just told people and lived worldly lives. It was like, we got to get all the sin, right, out from around us. Maybe somebody will hear. so glad this is stirring my heart right now. And then I moved. Took a promotion uh, into Michigan. And um, another huge blessing. And I, I got, I don't know, what we call plugged in for the first time. I was plugged in there, but like plugged in to where you really start learning stuff. You know what I mean? Good church, back in Toledo. People love me to death, you know. And um, but got plugged in and I got, I, I, I experienced the fire hose of biblical knowledge for the first time. Have you ever, any of you guys ever stood in front of that? Right? You're like, oh, yeah, we're in school, dude. We're, you know, well, well, guess what? If you're in front of that, stay in front of it. Okay? That's going back to that brief disclosure I gave from the start of this. If you're in front of it, stay in front of it. But think about what I'm about to share with you because I got in front of that fire hose. I don't know what happened. Next thing I know, it, I'm joining political parties and I'm like, just like getting all sorts of crazy ideas not filtering any of it, a ton of knowledge, not an ounce of wisdom. And I was in an environment that was so cool, right? Just north of Detroit Theological Seminary. It wasn't uncommon. It was not uncommon to hear three guys who teach at a seminary three times in a week. Like that was not uncommon. Sometimes I tell people that and they're like, what? Right? But you had a seminary right down the road and, um, you would just go and you would, you would drink from this fire hose. But then what was really interesting, me as being somebody to where my gifting is the gift of having no self-awareness. It's evangelism, right? <laughs> <laughs> so, so for someone like me, it was real easy to notice that like, man, everyone here is so smart. We got doctorates, we got PhD, we got all these other things. And I'm learning all these truths and then two to three years go by and you're just being like, where, like, what happened to the whole, like, sharing this stuff? Like, I'm learning a whole bunch of stuff, but it's like, so what am I doing with it? Especially for a guy like me where my calling too is probably to be in the world, right? Probably to work a day job, be with people. And it was interesting. Now, of course, I can look back and I can see this now. So I wasn't really saying it at the time, but it was almost like two, three years of that. And like, next thing you know, you're like, 
okay, I'm not really, I'm learning a lot. This is awesome. It feels great. It is a good thing. And I am growing in a lot of other ways, but for some reason, I feel like I'm in my own world. And when I look at the New Testament, I don't see two worlds. You know? You see one. I see one where non-believers and believers sort of just kind of do this. Right? And, and then it gets worse. Right? Because again, I'm telling you what I see now. I didn't see it then. And what does knowledge do to people? Right. Knowledge is real dangerous when knowledge without application. So you're learning about the world, right? And you're learning about God and God's blessing your life because you're living differently. You're experiencing the blessings of not sinning, but you haven't gone and talked to a hurting dying, dead, blind soul who Satan is just doing this to, you get prideful real fast. Real fast. To where the world goes from being lost, for me personally, maybe not for you, hopefully it's touching somebody, for me personally, it was just kind of like, you know, you might watch the news or I guess now it's Facebook, you know, look at Facebook for a few minutes, get a glimpse of what the world's doing. It's just going, man, those people are stupid. Right? And you know when this happens in your life, right? Here's a hint to when this is happening in your life. Sinners just don't become sinners. They become liberal. <laughs> or drunks. That guy's... I know he's a sinner, but uh, he just left his wife. Right? They're not just sinners. They're homosexuals. And just so you know, I am, I am standing up here saying this because I hear this and I see it everywhere in Christianity. And the other reason is because I've seen it in myself. And when I look at the mirror, in the mirror at that man, I'm just like, I hate that person. Because you've just, you've lost it. You know what I've become like? Let's go back to that verse in Luke 10. When, um, when Jesus says this, of course, he's setting the guy up, but what's the lawyer do? The lawyer goes, and Jesus knows what he's going to do, but he goes, he goes, who's my neighbor? There's the superiority, right? I can love my neighbor, but is he... Is he liberal? I mean, you know, <laughs> you know like what, what... And I just started seeing where that was me. And by the way, um, it was my fault, not the culture that I'm in, right? A lot of good churches, a lot of good people. This school, we're imperfect. We all need correction, and we're plugging along. You know, plugging along. It's us. 
we have to see ourselves. If you look at, um, um, to further this point, I thought the, I'm 36 now, so I thought the Bible college kids would be like, think I was cool if I pulled out my iPhone to look at my Bible. <laughs> um, Um, let's see here, just to further this point, because I think the, um, well, where'd you go? Corinthians. Maybe I jotted down the wrong one, but the Holy Spirit makes the same point. I think it's First Corinthians, where it just reads off slanders, adulterers, like it just... Ugh, just gives you this list. And then it finishes with, such were some of you. You know, and it's not saying that some of them weren't sinners, right? It's just this whole idea of some people in that crowd probably came out of some, right, the very things that were just listed off. I know I did, right? So our knowledge, learning, without application, without rubbing elbows. And we can become prideful at any time, but I just think, I think the bubble thing is where we really get in trouble to where you just, there's a tendency in all of us to be like, to be like Jonah, you know, Nineveh, like there's the bad people, you know, and it, and it seems so bizarre to read. But again, we do it in very similar ways. And, um, and another way, it gets worse, right? It gets worse. I started to say that once. Now it gets worse because when you're in this frame of thought, when you're doing it, right, and you know it, and you know how it works, and you've gone from being somebody who's just smarter than the average bear than somebody who's just redeemed, right? Um, then when you actually do share the gospel, what I would do is I would share the gospel and it was just all head, no heart. You know, I remember sharing the gospel with my sister, actually. My sister was the first person to ask me, well, I didn't grow up in a Christian home, some siblings weren't saved. For, sister was the first person that asked me about um, forgiveness. And that threw me for a loop. I'm out on the streets in Toledo, right? Like it's, it's all about like sinfulness and like the conversations were always trying to help somebody see their sinner and I got my sister going yeah but the whole forgiveness thing and I was just like what the whole forgiveness thing like that's the easy part and um, so here I am headstrong right I know all about this right I know all about this like depravity of man right like like we can't do anything good and we're sinners and Kristen sister you got a pride problem, right? Your God's too small. And um, she wanted to kill me, right? And, and what I was saying from a biblical standpoint, could I make that case with Scripture? I could. I really could, seriously. Um, 
sinners are prideful, that rears its head. I mean, you could, you could link that to anything. And um, I would share the gospel this way with people to where it's what I call being transactional versus relational. I say this to you, you say this to me, I throw this dart back, you throw another dart back, I throw another dart, you get mad, we never talk again. Right? Now, is that the reality sometimes of what the gospel does? Yes. Um, but I think other times when we don't see the world as ourselves, right? We don't see a lost, blind person on their way to destruction for all of eternity. Um, something tells me that a lot of us, even if it's just in our tone, might rethink that a little bit. Because here's the thing with my sister. My sister ended up getting saved. And... Um, the people that helped her, a guy named Pastor Ricks. You know, here, here, here's what Pastor Ricks did. To my understanding, what my sister told me, um, my sister and I are still friends, by the way. And um, <laughs> she said, yeah, I was talking about forgiveness. And Pastor Ricks looked at her and he said, I understand. Like, I totally understand. What's on your mind? I'm curious. And then Pastor Ricks and his wife found out that, excuse me, my sister, when she was 15, she's 30 at this point, when she was 15, somebody drove her across the state line, Ohio down to Kentucky. to get a legal abortion. And when you know Satan's grip that he has on people, right? Keeps them from seeing. The Bible says. And he was shoving my sister in the ground with that. And although I diagnosed her biblically, I had no heart for my sister. Paul said he was in anguish. How do you do that? That's a miracle of God. You know, sometimes we skip past the feeling ones and we don't try to apply those because that just leaves us with us standing there with Jesus going, you got to help me see. And I think when he does, sometimes, not in all cases, I've given the God. We were just, my wife and I were in Brazil a couple years ago. There was this guy I talked to for only a matter of minutes, and we were on our way out, knew I was never going to see him again. I went up, straight up to the guy, shared the gospel with him, got his information, total risk. The whole time I'm like, this is crazy, right? There is a place for that, but especially in our culture and people, just attention spans and what social media is doing with people. I mean, it's great. Social, when you're on you know, Facebook and all this stuff, it re re uh, releases dopamine in your body, just like booze does. Do you know that? Like we're getting all these crazy feelings. Science has figured this out, and I just think it's great when science figures out. The problem is they can never pin the exact why. You know, they can never go all the way with it, but the fact of the matter is, Relationships are going to be so key moving forward 
because our world's stuck and our culture's stuck in superficial relationships that aren't real and they're leading to depression. And some of these people, teenagers, just eventually just shooting themselves, right? That's just what's happening. And they just, they just need a real relationship to hang on and then eventually someone to share the gospel with them. But when you love somebody like Pastor Rick's, love sounds a certain way. Hey, I understand. Totally understand. Someone says something to you that's bizarre, interesting, right? Because deep down in your heart, you're like, I am not going to like get in the way with this. Get in the way of this. I got to somehow be able to engage with this guy if God lets me and to build a relationship. Even if they say something, it's crazy. I love understand and interesting because it kind of just works. Hey, I'm a Satan worshiper. Interesting. Tell me more, right? (laughs) And that's what it looks like to actually talk with somebody. But we live in a country where we're all just talking at one another and anxieties through the roof and it's not just the lost I've done it I try to stay away from Facebook but I've gotten on Facebook before and I'm just like I hate that guy and he goes to my church right why would you post that you know and the whole time I'm just saying who's my neighbor God who's my neighbor and it gets really messy. Um, I understand. Interesting. Hey, what's your experience with Christianity? Hey, I'm curious. And I'm not talking about a method here, but at the same time, we are sinners. I know there are times when I use those words and my heart's not fully in it, but if we just go down that road and we're only doing this stuff when we feel good, we're never going to get anything done, right? We're never going to get anything done. And and maybe by the time you set up the coffee meeting and pray and look at yourself in the mirror, you'll be ready. But let's let's think about um, relationships. Lonnie's flagging me. We talked about this happening. Um, So what is the official cutoff time? Oh, okay, sweet. So so we'll just we'll cut the rest and you can have me back. And um, um, I'll skip the last part, but here's the thing in conclusion. Um, I want you to learn from my mistakes. I want us to really focus on seeing Jesus. Um, No matter how much we learned, we're just redeemed. Right? That's a big one. And stay behind the fire hose. I want to be behind the fire hose. I really do. Right? So don't walk out of here going, I'm not going to Bible study next week. I'm going to go to the bowling alley. <laughs> right? Stay behind the fire hose. Um, and, um, and let's just love one another. So, um, and the rest I had on here was just, um, we'll close up if anybody wants to come and ask me, but it was kind of an open forum section of, yeah, I hear what you're saying, but I'm still scared to death to reach out to the lost. Um, and just some thought processes on that, but um, that's okay. We ran out of time. I'm thankful for the way it went. Um, I feel stirred. God answered prayers, so hopefully um, um, just go out and make a friend, right? That's lost. Make a friend that's lost.
Okay? Dear God, thank you so much for today, and I'm just so happy that um, all of us could be here, and I'm so happy that I could just stand up here and be vulnerable um, to you and to others. And um, Lord, just help this resonate with our hearts and our minds, and don't allow people to fall trapped to the idea that they have to be some superstar in this. None of us are, and that we just literally need to find time and healthy means to rub shoulders, and we need to, man, we need that instant conviction when someone's asking for a ride or needs help with this, and that we just see them as somebody um, in desperate need. We see them as somebody that we once were. And um, Lord, again, I just uh, I thank you so much for all these young adults here, and uh, such an encouragement um, just to see people coming to something like this. I've never even been in a Bible college, and this is not where I was at at this age, and it's just um, so good to us, Lord. You're so sweet, and thanks for your grace and your mercy. In Jesus.